0: Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. Bible Crossfire is a, not just a preaching program; it's a program where you can call in and ask your Bible questions, even make your points about different doctrinal issues. Uh, we look at both sides of any biblical issue. The only thing we ask is we're going to let the Bible settle each question. Because the Bible is God's Word. It's inspired. It's the only thing that's right. Pat you can be wrong, but the Bible is right. Any caller can be wrong, but the Bible is right. And so whatever the Bible says about any topic, that settles the issue. It doesn't matter what we think, what we want, how we feel. None of that makes a bit of difference because that would be... Uh, usurping authority over God, if we thought that it did. It's the Bible that makes all the difference. Whatever it says, it's 100%. All the evidence comes from the Bible. Bilet from Africa, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please.
1: Uh, Yeah, I was reading a twisted scripture, and on page four, it was discussing about baptism and uh, that it's not required for salvation, and it gives the example of the thief who went to paradise without being baptized. And then uh, on page 20, uh, it discusses about uh, being forgiven by uh, the cross, by shedding his blood, his forgiveness of our sin. Uh, at the same time, our salvation is uh, is attached to the resurrection. But uh, uh, looking at the two sides, the thief didn't have that both criteria. Uh, Jesus didn't even die. He was on the cross. But he told him that he will be in paradise. That means he was saved uh, before Jesus died. And uh, in the second place, he didn't wait for his resurrection. So in both cases, the thief was saved without the days of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. So how could you explain that?
0: We thank you for your call. I'm looking at Hebrews nine sixteen through 17. Am I saying your name right? Belette or Balete? Balete. Balete. Yes. It sir. says, For where a testament is, there must also necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. So you're right. Here we have in Hebrews the analogies made to a will. My parents wrote their will in the nineteen seventies, but us four boys—I have three brothers—we did not inherit what they wrote in the will that we're going to, to inherit until after my mother passed away, after my second parent passed away in two thousand ten. In other words, the the testament, the will, is not in force until after. The people who wrote the will are dead. And it's the same way with Christ's will. Verse 17, a testament is a force after men are dead. Jesus Christ is the testator here. So the New Covenant law that requires water baptism did not go into effect until after the death of the testator. I believe Luke twenty-four forty-seven nails that down, that the New Covenant, New Testament law, the law that requires baptism for salvation, came into effect, started being binding in Acts chapter 2, many days after the, both the thief and Jesus died. Uh, and that new covenant requires baptism. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, Mark sixteen sixteen. Peter said on that first sermon we read about in Acts chapter 2, Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Ananias told Saul in Acts twenty two sixteen three days after he had believed in Christ, Arise and be baptized, wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So a person's sins are not washed away by the blood of Christ when they believe a person's sins are washed away by the blood of Christ when they're baptized. Now you mentioned bilete, the resurrection. Well, that's mentioned in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Verse 21 says, The like figure whereinto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this says we're saved by the resurrection. But when? It says baptism saves us. When we're baptized. God would not say baptism saves us if you didn't have to do it to be saved. He's saying that... that That, of course, the death, the resurrection of Christ, these are the things that are the earning basis for our salvation, but baptism is a condition, just like belief and repentance, we have to meet in order to be saved by the death of Christ. Belete, do you have anything you'd like to add to that?
1: Uh, Yeah, my question, my real question is the thief. The thief was saved. He went to paradise even before jesus died he was jesus was on the cross to be saved jesus has to die is it not but jesus didn't die when he told the thief that he will be in paradise that means the way i understand is the thief was saved before jesus died he was on the cross but he didn't die when he told him he's going to paradise. Uh, and the same way, he didn't wait for his resurrection, three days. He's already went to paradise. So that means the thief didn't wait for the days of Jesus or the resurrection of Jesus. In In both cases, that criteria doesn't apply to the thief. Belette, I'm I'm
0: I'm going to hang up with you right now, and I'm going to respond. Can you listen to the program and just listen to me respond on the program? Yes, sir. sir. Okay. All right. Thanks for your good call. Okay, Belette? So the Bible says in Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. But it doesn't say until the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Jesus' death is what pays For the sins of all mankind for all time. And if you look at Romans chapter 3 verses 23 through 26. You see that people were actually forgiven in Old Testament times. Like David for example. David committed adultery with Bathsheba. Then had her husband murdered to try to cover it up. When Nathan the prophet confronted David. David repented and he was forgiven. How was he forgiven? Based upon the death of Christ that was to come later. All of the Old Testament saints were forgiven if they were faithful and met the required conditions based upon the death of Christ that was to come later. You can read in Leviticus 4, chapter 4 and 5 about all kinds of people being forgiven. How were they forgiven? Based upon the death of Christ that was to come later. Just like now. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. We're saved from our sins. We're saved, we're forgiven of our sins based upon the death of a Christ that happened about two thousand years ago. And so it it's not that you have to wait until the death of Christ to be saved. Old Testament saints were saved, but they had they were saved based upon the death of Christ that was to come later. As a matter of fact, the passage we read a while ago in Hebrews chapter nine uh, Relating to the thief on the cross, verse 15 says, For this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. And so Jesus' death paid for the sins of the people who were forgiven during the First Testament, the Old Testament. If you have a Bible question or comment, Give us a call at 877-655-6755, 877-655-6755. And so we see clearly that the Bible teaches that a person has to be baptized to be saved, to become a Christian. Now last week we were talking about the text in Proverbs twenty eight twenty six 26 that says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. I'm afraid a lot of people who claim to be believers are trusting in their own heart instead of trusting in God and His Word. A lot of them are. They say, I feel this. Like I had somebody write to me just yesterday or the day before over email. He was talking about a particular way somebody was uh, worshiping God. And even though they were worshiping God the way God taught, he said, I didn't feel God's presence there. See, he was going by his feelings, you don't feel God's presence. You read about God's presence in the Bible. People say, I think I'm saved. Or this is the way I think things ought to be. No, they're, going, they're trying to trust in their own heart. And the Bible says, he that trusts in his own heart is a fool. Whenever we say, I feel this, or I feel that in religion, or I think this, or I think that, and it runs contrary to the word of God, then we're usurping the authority of God. The Bible is our authority. We're to go by what the Bible teaches, not by what we think might be right, not by what we want it to be or what will bring in the biggest numbers. Proverbs 14, verse 12 reads this way. There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So just because something seems right to us, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's right. In this case, it seems right, but... The person, if he goes that direction, he's going to die spiritually. So we can't go by what seems right to us. We can't go by what we feel or what we think. We go by the Bible only in religion. Let me give you just an example. What about a person who claims to be a believer, a lady, and and they say, the Holy Spirit told me or called me to preach. Well, Aren't they trusting in their own heart instead of in God and His Word? How can the Holy Spirit tell a woman to preach from the pulpit in a church service when the Holy Spirit, we know the Holy Spirit, wrote the following? 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty four and 35. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it's a shame for women to speak in the church. By the way, if you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open, 877-655-6755. So the Holy Spirit wrote in the Bible something we all agree is God's word and therefore the truth, John seventeen seventeen. He wrote, it's a shame for women to speak in the church. And now a woman comes along and says, God called me to preach or God told me to preach. She's trusting in her own heart, what she feels, what she thinks. She's not trusting in God's word because if you trusted in God's word, she would accept what he said that women should not be preachers, as we normally use the term, because she would trust God and submit to God and by extension submit to his word, the Bible. She wouldn't say, well, God told me to preach. God wants me to preach. I feel like I should be preaching. She wouldn't do that. That's trusting in her own heart. And the Bible says, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Another passage that helps us to see that women should not preach from the pulpit during church services is 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12. It says, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Now, why are we reading these passages? Simply as an illustration of how people trust in their own heart. A woman says, I feel like God called me to preach. I think God called me to preach. She's trusting in her own heart. She needs to trust in what we know the Bible says in passages like 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 Timothy 2, which we just read. Any woman who says... God told her to preach in church is obviously just trusting in her own heart because she's not trusting what we all know God said in His Word. Again, Proverbs 18, 20, 28, 26 says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Instead of trusting in her own heart, we should trust what God's Word says. I mentioned John 17, 17. That reads, Sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth so God's word defines for us what the truth is and we remember from John 8 verse 32 that only the truth will set us free from sin false religious teaching won't set us free from sin what we think what we feel what will bring in the most people what will get us accepted in in society based upon what's more politically correct none of those things can be trusted We must trust in God's Word, and on many of these issues that come up on this program, God's Word is clear, but people aren't willing to accept what God's Word, they'd rather do what they think is best, how they feel, or something like that. Now, this is why I offer the one-hour phone Bible study that I've been offering for the last two or three months. Instead of trusting in our own heart, our feelings, our think-sos, we should trust in God. And that means trusting in His Word and what He says. And if we have an opportunity, if you want to, to study the Bible together by phone, then both of us should end up with a better grasp on God's Word, which is our authority. So if you'd like that one-hour phone Bible study, you can send me an email at BibleCrossfire at email.com. BibleCrossfire at email.com. Or later in the program, I'll give you my cell phone number so you can call or text me and ask for the one-hour phone Bible study. The way that normally works is if you have an email address, I send you an outline ahead of time. Then, uh, uh, at agreed-upon time, of course, it's free, totally free, free of charge, I call you and we study the verses based upon, in that outline for an hour. We study the Bible. Instead of trusting in our own heart, we trust what we find in God's Word and what it says. A free one-hour phone Bible study. I'm willing to do that with you. Send me an email at BibleCrossFire at email.com. You know, a lot of times people call in this program and try to claim that we don't really have to obey God to be saved. And nothing could be further from the truth. Let me mention the number again to call if you'd like to get on the air The lines are wide open. The number to call is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. How about this passage on on, on whether or not we have to obey God to be saved? Matthew 7.21. Matthew 7.21 is an interesting passage. It's toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And verse 21 says... Jesus is speaking. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Who is going to enter into heaven according to Matthew seven twenty one. He that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Do we have to believe in Christ to be saved? Of course. John three sixteen teaches that. But belief all by itself, if it's not conjoined, with obedience, won't do us any good. This passage, Matthew seven twenty one says, The one that's going to enter to heaven is he that does the will of the Father which is in heaven. How about Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9? That verse, talking about Jesus, says, He became the author, or the source, of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So those that obey Christ are going to receive eternal salvation. And those that don't obey Christ will not receive eternal salvation. That is according to Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9. Many will say, many preachers will say, all you got to do is accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You'll be saved. Regardless of whether or not you obey. This verse says you've got to obey if you expect to receive eternal salvation. I like that song, Trust and Obey. Because it so concisely summarizes what our response has to be to the cross of Christ. Jesus died for everybody, but not everybody's going to be saved. Well, what differentiates between the people that are going to be saved with the people that aren't? The people who trust and obey Christ are going to be saved. Jesus died for everybody, so everybody has that option, that choice. Only the people that choose to trust and obey Christ will be saved. He's the author, the source of eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him. It takes trust and obedience. Again, the number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. James 2.24 says, You see then how that by works as man is justified and not by faith only. In the Methodist Creed book, is famous for saying salvation by faith only is the most wholesome doctrine and very full of comfort. A lot of churches teach that, salvation by faith only. But James 2.24 says, you see that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. It's like God knew ahead of time, and I'm sure he did. It's like he knew ahead of time a whole of this false doctrine that all you have to do is believe, you don't have to obey, that you're saved by faith only, you don't have to obey Christ to be saved. So he put this verse in here. No, it's not by faith only. It's not by faith only. The first part of chapter, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22 says, seeing that ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth. So we cannot purify our souls. Our souls cannot be purified unless we obey the truth. It takes more than belief. It takes more than think-sos. We have to actually obey the truth in order to have our souls purified by the blood of Christ, can't be done without the blood of Christ. Christ has to die for you to be saved from your sins. But He He dies for everybody. Not everybody's going to be saved. Again, what's the difference? Those who trust and obey are going to be saved. Those who don't believe, or those who believe and don't obey, they're not going to be saved. Jesus said, "He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved." So it Mark sixteen sixteen. So it takes more than just belief; it takes belief and obedience. George from Mississippi, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please.
2: It takes
0: more than yes. Just may need to turn your radio down so you won't get mixed up.
2: All right. Yeah, concerning the uh, women uh, being in the church, uh, Priscilla and Aquila there had a church that was uh, created there in Paul's time there. I was just concerned that uh, maybe uh, she did have a place in church, too. the uh, Not
0: necessarily preaching, but teaching. Yeah, I'm looking at Acts 18.26. It's talking about Apollos, and it says he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And it says, Whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So do you see how Aquila and Priscilla, Priscilla was the female there, they took uh-huh. Paulus aside privately and taught him the Word of God. Uh-huh. Now, I hope, if you if you will, make sure your, your radio is turned off, George, because it's just going to give feedback and mess everything up. Make sure your radio is turned off. Okay? Okay? Now, George, when we say a woman shouldn't be a preacher, we're not meaning that a woman can't have... A ladies' Bible class at her house and teach the Bible in that setting. Matter of fact, not only uh-huh. do we think that's okay, we encourage it. We're talking about what normally is meant by a woman preacher when the whole church is all come together into one place and the woman gets up in the pulpit and preaches the sermon. Uh-huh. Did you see the verse I used to show that? Yeah. Unscriptural. What did you think about it, George? In First Corinthians fourteen uh-huh.
2: thirty-four yeah. and thirty-five. Yeah, yeah I, I thought a lot about Apollos. Uh, he. uh I, I believe uh, that maybe he wrote uh, the book of Hebrews. Himself, uh, uh, he was he was uh, Alexander, uh, just like Luke. Uh, he was a brilliant man uh, and eloquent. At what the Bible says uh, in in Acts uh, somewhere it says he had twelve disciples too. Uh, and, yeah, I think that uh, uh, it. Priscilla and well, Aquila did have a church in their home. Uh, I don't know that uh, she preached in the pulpit or nothing, but I know she had an active voice in that church.
0: Well, uh, George, said there. you you don't know that she if she preached from the pulpit or not. Let me read you this yeah, passage again. No, I, I don't. I, that's what I say. I, just I know, know, but let me read you it. this passage again. Let me read you this passage. Here's First Corinthians right. 14, 34 and 35. Let yeah. your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. That's verse 34. And then at the end of verse 35, it says it's a shame for women to speak in the church. Does it make it clear that Priscilla did not preach the sermon when they met together for church services in their home?
2: Well, uh, I, I, I don't know that. I think women do have a part. Do you, do, is it your belief that they should not even pray, uh, take a part in prayer in the church either?
0: I'm going to have to let you go. i got to go off the air. Thanks for your call, George. Yeah, women are not to speak in the church. That's made clear by this passage. And so those who are claiming that women can preach in the church, they're just not following the Bible. They're trusting in their own heart. Now let me mention again that one-hour phone Bible study. It's free of charge. If you're interested in the one-hour phone Bible study, I'll call you sometime when it's convenient for you, free of charge, and study the Bible for one hour. The number, my number, my cell number is 256 682 9753. You call me after the program or text me and ask for the one hour phone Bible study and we'll do that sometime when it's convenient for you. The number again is 256-682-9753 if you want to have the one hour phone Bible study.